This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. All right, welcome back to the show. This is Mike Smith filling in for Simi today. That was the sound at BC Place Stadium last April during a walkout by members of a Vancouver Whitecap supporter group. They did that to protest the club's response to abuse allegations against a former women's soccer coach. Uh, the news, uh, developing news on this one today is the club has now released an independent report on how the situation was handled. The Vancouver Whitecaps, this report commissioned by the Whitecaps, finds the soccer club did not attempt to cover up allegations of misconduct by a former coach in the women's program, but that it failed in its communications with players about the incident. This commission, this uh, report was commissioned by the Whitecaps last May. Uh, They retained a group called the Sport Law and Strategy Group to conduct an independent review of the allegations and uh, the Whitecaps workplace policies and procedures. That probe later expanded to include other incidents, including the 2013 hiring of a coach amid allegations of racism and a 2017 case of alleged sexual assault at a Whitecaps youth residency program. This thing has been a crisis for the Vancouver Whitecaps, to say the least. The Whitecaps saga goes back to a blog post by Sierra McCormick. She's a former Whitecaps women's team player and a Canada women's under-20 national team player. She wrote a blog post detailing allegations of sexually suggestive text messages that she received from a coach. Sierra McCormick, she joins me now on the phone. Hi, thanks for coming on. Uh, no problem. Just to correct a couple of things, I wasn't on the under-20 team myself. I was just with the Whitecap women's team, um, and I personally didn't receive any of the texts. I, I knew of them. Okay, thank you, Sarah, for, for that. Just for that. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. What do you think about the, the report here today, which I think largely kind of downplays the responsibility of the Whitecaps here, that maybe they could have done a better, a better job, but that there was no, formal, there was no uh, cover-up? Your thoughts? Um, I think that the report was commissioned by a group that they had paid for. So I'm personally not surprised that the results were favorable towards, um, you know, sort of saying or painting the situation in a favorable light for them. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think people that have followed the blog and and the information that's been out in the media thus far, I think anybody with a critical, you know, I could sort of see that things could have been done much better. So I think that um, the report and its findings were quite, you know, favorable towards the Whitecaps. But like I said, it was it was a group that the Whitecaps paid for. So I, I wasn't personally surprised. Okay. Do you, do you think it was the report is a whitewash? I mean, do you think they, they didn't really face it head on, the, 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 the crisis or the problems? Um, I think it was just quite vague. Um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, as, as a, a, the first point in it said, you know, uh, we we can see that the organization's done things better since 2008. But then, you know, it fails to mention the fact that 2011, there was a, a, another situation with the Whitecaps women's team. 2017, 
um, you know, that situation with the Whitecaps residency, the boys, you know, escalated to the police. Um, so, I mean, again, that's the kind of thing where it, I guess it just depends on what your version of having done better is. And there's a lot of that kind of vague terminology um, that was in it that I don't necessarily think was reflective of what actually, you know, occurred. Okay, you've very bravely spoken out on the situation, and I'm just checking out your Twitter feed here in the last uh, little while, and you noted that this is a report that, that's dropped in the week before Christmas. Do you, do you think that this has been kind of, I don't know, deliberately timed to hope to sort of fly under the radar or public attention? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I commented in the initial blog that I wrote that I noticed that when the boys, um, that story in 2017 broke, it broke at 5 p.m. on a Friday night. And somebody within the organization, you know, that had worked for the Whitecaps commented that they were, you know, really impressed that I picked up on that because they said that that was, you know, common practice for the organization to be dropping unfavorable news at, at times that it was going to go away quickly. So absolutely, I'm not surprised. Um, that it would be, you know, the Wednesday before Christmas, that that's something that is quite monumental that I think people would be talking about, um, you know, for a period of time, they would hope would get lost kind of under the Christmas rush of things. So I'm not surprised by the timing, no. How about the Canadian Soccer Association? I know they've been, they've had some involvement here. Have, have they changed any of their policies or have they done anything in the, in the wake of this uh, situation? No, and I mean, that that's something that I think, obviously, the Whitecaps have gotten a deserved amount of heat, but I think that yeah. the Canadian Soccer Association has, you know, they're taxpayer-funded, and they've done absolutely nothing um, in terms of any type of, you know, coordinating a, a meeting with everybody or um, anything. They, literally, it's been radio silence from the Canadian Soccer Association, and um, that's highly problematic, obviously, for something that, you know, many, many players were, you know, really gravely affected through their association with the Canadian national team and um, the youth program in, in, in 2008. And I think the fact that um, they haven't stepped forward at all and that they've kind of just enjoyed cruising, you know, outside of the scenes of the Whitecaps. Um, I definitely think that, you know, media government, they're funded by the people, you know, um, and, and they've really dropped the ball. So I, I hope that pressure, you know, gets sort of upped on them now that sort of the Whitecaps, this whole, you know, the whole side, side of things with the Whitecaps, um, you know, has kind of come to some kind of a close, I guess, in some sense. Um, I, I definitely think that the Canadian Soccer Association has some things to be um, answered for, for sure. I think you deserve a lot of credit for blowing the whistle on this and the brave way that you've, you've spoken out. What have you learned through this saga and this scandal and the, and the report that we see out today? Um, you know, I just think it's so important to, I think, first of all, to just, um, you know, for people that are carrying some kind of um, a, a burden or, or weight. I mean, I this is something that I carried for, ten, you know, 10 years. Um, and I know for me, it's been incredible how, you know, much healing has happened for me personally since this has come up, like, you know, this has all come out. And, and I think just even seeing how other people have been empowered um, and they feel like they have a voice now, that's been an amazing, you know, side part of it. And I think the biggest thing for me with all of it, and I've gotten emotional talking about it, and, and I think yeah. that hopefully I'll hold it together here, but, um, you know, just the way that the fans, um, you know, got behind this and, and really like this whole report wouldn't have happened without all the walkouts and without the Southsiders and Curva Collective and all the fans that, you know, took a stand and walked out of the game. So I think for me, it was, 
you know, they taught me a lesson in terms of, you know, of course I could speak up and say something, but this would not have been amplified to the, you know, the degree it has been if they hadn't gotten behind us the way that they did. And um, so, I mean, I'm eternally, eternally grateful um, for every single person that, you know, took a stand in some way, because I don't think that there would have even been any report if they hadn't done that. So um, just again, a, a massive, massive thank you to everybody. Um, Cause really I think the community has brought it to this point and I think it's only right. going to make it safer for young athletes coming forward. Now that the fact that this, you know, massive spotlight has been shone on all of this. Thanks very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, I appreciate it a lot. That is Kira McCormick, former Whitecaps player, whose blog post, the original blog post on alleged misconduct here uh, inside the team, really got this ball rolling. She was the whistleblower on this one. Welcome back. This is Mike Smith filling in for Simi today. That was the sound of BC Play Stadium last April during a walkout by members of a Vancouver Whitecaps supporter group. They did that to protest the club's response to abuse allegations against a former women's soccer coach. In May, the Whitecaps commissioned an independent review of the allegations. The report has been issued today. It concluded the soccer club did not attempt to cover up allegations of harassment but it said it failed in its communications with the players about the incident. Let's talk about this now with my guest, Jeff Mallett. He is the co-owner of the Vancouver Whitecaps Football Club. Jeff, thank you for coming on. Hey, you're welcome, Mike. What do you want people to know about this report today? What's the message to the public here? Well, first, I want them, to, all of us to, to uh, take pause and thank, again, of the, of the brave women who came forward in, in May directly uh, to the club and myself and Greg Kerfoot and uh, sharing new information and and opening things up. That was really, uh, really key. And so uh, secondly, and our commitment to them was to provide a independent uh, a group, sport law strategy group, to come in and do a full look. And we provided them full access to make sure one of what transpired uh, in 2008 and some of the questions that were raised especially with the new information and secondly really looking at using this as a as a teaching tool not only for the white caps but uh, to make this publicly available which we are across canada for other youth organization as well as professional teams okay what happened what uh, what went wrong here in your opinion were there safeguards or there were procedures that were not followed here that that something went wrong here how do you explain it well, it's called out the report, um, and everyone can see this online and fully available. That um, you know the club was was seen as handling itself uh, uh, correctly throughout uh, throughout the incidents that were were raised, and specifically in 2008. Um, and uh, and so on that point, we we feel good that we were doing the best we could, bringing things forward. Uh, but I think what this allows us to do is uh, continue to raise a bar internally at the club as well as externally of what it takes to run a, uh, a, spo- uh, a, a sports organization uh, that takes, um, it takes safe sport to, to the next level. And that's, that's, our, that's our mission. Okay, a lot of this goes back to a blog post that was published by Kira McCormick, who is a, a player, former player with the uh, Whitecaps women's team. And I know, you're, I know you're familiar with her. I spoke to her earlier on the show today, and she was somewhat 
unconvinced by the re- the report and it, and its independence. And here's what she said. I would have loved to see what the report would have said if it was a neutral body that, you know, was paid for, whether it's by the government or taxpayers or whoever. Um, and, you know, and just to have seen and heard what they would have had to say. Okay, she's kind of the original whistleblower on this whole saga, and she was she thinks that the report was not independent enough. Your your response to that? Well, really, um, the key here is the women who were directly uh, involved in in the instances w- which were brought forward. Those are the the women that really uh, were were key in moving this to the next step. Uh, we involved uh, them uh, prior to uh, hiring the sport uh, sport law group, which came recommended. As probably some of your listeners may know. 25 plus years as the definitive uh, voice across Canada for hundreds of reports um, on safe sports and really taking the top 15 lawyers in Canada in 1992 and forming this group for these exact reasons. So um, we we thank the women for uh, supporting this and and recommending the group along with us. And uh, we believe uh, sport law uh, keeps a very high standard uh, of doing something that is is right for uh, everybody that is involved. Okay, so even though you guys commissioned the report, you paid for the report, you're saying the, re- the report was independent? Well, Sport Law does not. Uh, we, we were not involved. Uh, sport Law has done this for hundreds of organizations, which you can go uh, look at their website, and that's why they were, were, were brought forward by uh, numerous folks we spoke to, including, of course, uh, the, the women who were directly involved in 2008. And uh, we ha- they have high integrity, and uh, we respect that and don't believe there's any any reason not to. Okay, what is the current status of some of these allegations and complaints? Are there any investigations still going on? Uh, not, to, not that I'm aware of uh, uh, that uh, are still still going on at, at this point. Okay, where does this go from here now? This is a report that came out today with uh, a lot of recommendations, 34 in all. That's a lot. Are, do you, are you going to implement all those recommendations in the report? Uh, yes, I mean first and foremost, we 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 thank them for um, you know there were over 350 people were interviewed. Um, the, the reason it took over a five plus month segment, so really ran deep um, and in talking to a lot of people uh, in all different capacities, from parents to players to coaches, uh, etc. So the in depth study, and we appreciate the recommendations coming back. Most of them we've already implemented, uh, but any that we have not, we're currently in the cycle to do that. And we're also uh, being a, a voice out across Canada for other clubs, as mentioned, uh, to look at these and uh, really put emphasis on their on their safe sport, okay. which is we, we all know needs work. Speaking of Jeff Malik, co-owner of the Vancouver Whitecaps, so among those recommendations, which which one would you highlight? Like, what can you say to the public to ensure assure people that? This is going to be a safe organization that people that uh, players are, are not put in any kind of risk situation, and this won't happen again. Well, you can you can see that um, uh, we've had so we've literally since two thousand and eight have uh, over you know hundreds of thousands of, of people come to our organization from our cl- clinics and camps. Um, we we take this very seriously, hold ourselves to the highest yeah. standards. 
Uh, anyone, please go to our website and under the front page under Safe Sport, uh, they can look at all of our guidelines, recommendations, policies, uh, third-party organizations of which, which we work with, like Via Sports and uh, numerous others. So they can see that not only as, as a club do we uh, take this seriously and make it a daily part of our culture, uh, but also as something that we should uh, be looked at by others as well. All right, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Okay, I appreciate it. That is Jeff Mallett. He is the co-owner of the Vancouver Whitecaps Football Club.